1892. Dear friend, I want to tell you about us running. There was this beautiful sunset and there was this hill and the hill was up to the 18th green where Patrick and I spit wine from laughing. And just a few hours before Sam and Patrick and everyone I love and know had their last day of high school ever and I was happy because they were happy. My sister even let me hug her in the hallway. Congratulations was the word of the day. So Sam and Patrick and I went to the big boy and smoked cigarettes. Then we went talking, waiting for it to be time to go to Rocky Horror. And we were about and we were talking about things that seemed important at the time. And we were looking up the hill, and then Patrick started running after the sunset, and Sam immediately followed him. And I, I saw them in silhouette, running after the sun. Then I started running, and everything was as good as it could be. That night, Patrick decided to play Frankenfurter one last time. He was so happy to put on the costume, and everyone was happy he decided to do it. It was quite moving, actually. He gave the best show I ever saw him give. Maybe I was biased, but I don't care. It was the show I'll always remember, especially his last song. The song is called I'm Going Home. In the movie, Tim Curry, who plays the character, cries during the last song, but Patrick's smiling, and it just felt right. I even persuaded my sister to come to the show with her boyfriend. I've been trying to get her to come since I started going, but she never would. But this time she did, and since her boyfriend never saw the show before, they were technically virgins, which meant they would have to do all these embarrassing things before the show started to get initiated. I decided not to tell my sister this, and she and her boyfriend had to go on stage and try to dance the time warp. Whoever lost the dance contest had to be had to pretend he or she was having sex with a large stuffed Gumby doll. So I quickly showed my sister and boyfriend how to and her boyfriend how to dance the time warp so they wouldn't lose the contest. But it was fun watching my sister dance the time warp on stage. But I don't think we could have handled her pretending to have sex with a large stuffed Gumby. I asked my sister if she wanted to come to Craig's for the party afterward, but she said that one of her friends was having a party, so she wasn't going to do that. That was okay with me because at least she came to the show and before she left she hugged me again two in one day i really do love my sister especially when she's nice the party at craig's was great craig and beater bought champagne to congratulate all the people who were graduating and we danced and we talked and i saw mary elizabeth kissing peter and looking happy and i saw sam kissing craig and looking happy and i saw patrick and alice not even caring that they weren't kissing anybody because they were too excited talking about their futures so i just sat there with a bottle of champagne near the cd player and I changed the songs to fit the mood of what I saw. I was lucky too because Craig has an excellent collection. When people looked a little tired, I played something fun. When they looked like they wanted to talk, I played something soft. It was a great way to sit alone at a party and still feel a part of things. After the party, everyone thanked me because they said it was the perfect music. Craig said that I should be a DJ to make money while I was still in school, like he, just like he does modeling. I thought that was a good idea. Maybe I could save up a lot of money so I would be able to go to college even if something like the Rotary Club or Moose Lodge didn't come through. My brother said recently on the phone that if he makes it to the pros, I don't have to worry about my college money at all. He said he'd take care of it. I can't wait to see my brother. He's coming home for my sister's graduation, which is so nice. Love always. Charlie. June 9th, 1992. Dear friend, it's now prom night and I'm sitting in my room yesterday. And I'm sitting in my room. Yesterday was difficult because I didn't know anybody since all of my friends and my sister were no longer in school. The worst was lunchtime because it reminded me of when everyone was angry with me for Mary Elizabeth. I couldn't even eat my sandwich and my mom made my favorite because I think she knew how sad I would be with everyone gone. The hall seemed different and the juniors were acting different because now they are the seniors. They even had t-shirts made. I don't know who plans all these things. All I can think about is the fact that Sam is leaving in two weeks to go to Penn State, and Mary Elizabeth is going to be busy with her guy, and my sister is going to be busy with hers, and Alice and I aren't that close. I know Patrick will be around, but I'm afraid that maybe since he isn't sad, he won't want to spend time with me. I know that's wrong in my head, but it feels that way sometimes. So then the only person I would have to talk to would be my psychiatrist, and I don't like the idea of that right now because he keeps asking me questions about when I was younger, and they're starting to get weird. I'm just lucky that I have so much schoolwork and I don't have a lot of time to think. All I hope 
is that tonight is great and the people whom it's supposed to be great for. My sister's boyfriend showed up in his Buick and he was wearing a white tails coat over a black suit, which looked wrong for some reason. His cummerbund, I don't know how to spell this, matched my sister's dress, which was powder blue and low cut. It reminded me of those magazines. I have to stop spinning out like this. Okay. All I hope is that my sister feels beautiful and her new guy makes her feel beautiful. I hope that Craig doesn't make Sam feel that her prom isn't special just because he's older. I hope the same for Mary Elizabeth with Peter. I hope Brad and Patrick decide to make up and dance in front of the whole school and that Alice is secretly a lesbian and in love with Brad's new girlfriend, Nancy, and vice versa, so nobody feels left out. I hope the DJ is as good as everyone said I was last Friday, and I hope everyone's pictures turn out great and never become old photographs, and nobody gets in a car accident. That is what I really hope. Love always, Charlie. June 10th, 1992. Dear friend, I just got home from school, and my sister is still asleep from the after-prom party the school organized, so I called over to Patrick and Sam's, but they're still asleep too. Patrick and Sam have a cordless phone, which always runs out of batteries, and Sam's mom sounded like a mom in the Peanuts cartoons. Wah, wah, wah. I had two finals today, one in biology, which I think I got a, a perfect in, the other in Bill's class. The final was about the great Yatsby. The only thing hard about it was the fact that he had me read the book so long ago, and it was difficult to remember. After I handed in the final, I asked Bill if he wanted me to write an essay about the fountainhead, so I told, since I told him that I had finished it, and he hadn't told me to do anything. He said that it wouldn't be fair to have me write another essay when I have so many finals this week. Instead, he invited me over to his townhouse to spend Saturday afternoon with his girlfriend and him, which sounded like fun. So on Friday, I will go to the Rocky Horror, then on Saturday, I will go over to Bill's townhouse, then on Sunday, I will watch everyone graduate and spend time with my brother and all my, the family because of my sister. Then I'll probably go to Sam and Patrick's to celebrate their graduating. Then I'll have two more days of school, which doesn't make sense because all my finals will be over, but they have some activities planned. At least that's what I've heard. The reason I'm thinking so far in advance is because school is terribly lonely. I think I've said that before, but it's getting harder every day. I have two finals tomorrow, history and typing. Then on Friday, I have finals in all my other classes like gym and shop. I don't know if there will be actual finals in these classes, especially shop. I think Mr. Callahan will just play some of his old records for us. He did that when we were supposed to have a midterm, too. But it won't be the same without Patrick lip-syncing. Incidentally, I got a perfect on my math final last week. Love always, Charlie. June 13, 1992. Dear friend, I just got home from Bill's house. I would have written to you about last night this morning, but I had to go to Bill's. Last night, Craig and Sam broke up. It's very sad to watch him. In the past few days, I have heard a lot about prom, and thanks to those 24-hour film places, I have seen what everyone looked like. Sam looked beautiful, Patrick looked handsome, Mary Elizabeth Alice and Mary Elizabeth boyfriend all looked great too. The only thing is that Alice wore white stick deodorant with a strapless dress and it showed. I don't think that kind of thing matters, but supposedly Alice was paranoid about it all night. Craig looked handsome as well, but he wore a suit instead of a tux. That's not why they broke up. Actually, the prom was supposed to be very nice. The limo was really great, and the limo driver got everyone stoned, which made the very expensive food taste even better. His name was Billy. The prom's music came from this really bad cover band called the Gypsies of the Allegheny. But the drama was good, so everyone had a nice time dancing. Patrick and Brad didn't even look at each other, but Sam and Patrick... But Sam said Patrick was really okay about it. After the prom, my sister and her boyfriend went to the after prom party the school organized. It was at this popular dance club downtown. She said that it was really fun with everyone all dressed up and dancing to good music played by a DJ instead of the gypsies of the Allegheny. They, had, they even had a comedian who did impersonations. The only thing was that once you went in, you couldn't leave and come back. I guess the parents thought it would keep the kids out of trouble, but nobody seemed to mind. They were having too much fun, and enough people smoked looking liquor anyway. 
After the party, it was about 7 o'clock in the morning, and everyone went to the big boy for pancakes and bacon. I asked Patrick how he liked the after-prom party, and he said it was a lot of fun. He said that Craig had rented a hotel suite for all of them, but only Craig and Sam went. Actually, Sam wanted to go to the after-prom party the school organized, but Craig got really angry because he had already paid for the hotel suite. That's not why they broke up. It happened yesterday at Craig's house after Rocky Horror. Like I said, Mary Elizabeth's boyfriend Peter is really good friends with Craig, and he kind of stepped into the middle of things. I guess he really likes Mary Elizabeth a lot and has grown to like Sam quite a bit because he's the one who brought it up. Nobody even suspected. Basically, Craig had been cheating on Sam ever since they started going out. And when I say cheat, I don't mean like he got drunk once and fooled around with one girl and felt bad about it. There were several girls, several times, drunk and sober, and I guess he never felt bad. The reason Peter didn't say anything at first was the fact that he didn't know anybody and he didn't know Sam. He just thought she was this dumb high school girl because that's what Craig always told him. Anyway, after he got to know Sam, Peter kept telling Craig that Craig had to tell her the truth because she wasn't just some dumb high school girl. Craig kept promising he would, but he never did. There was always some excuse. Craig called them reasons. I don't want to ruin prom for her. I don't want to ruin gra- graduation for her. I don't want to ruin the show for her. Then finally, Craig said there was no point in telling her anything at all. She was about to go away to college anyway. She would find a new guy. She was always safe about other girls. He was always safe about other girls. There was nothing to worry about in that way. And why not just let Sam remember the whole experience in a good way? Because he really liked Sam and didn't want to hurt her feelings. Peter went along with this logic, even though he thought it was wrong. At least that's what he said. But then after the show yesterday, Craig told him that he fooled around with yet another girl in the afternoon of the prom. That's when Peter told Craig that if Craig didn't say something to Sam, he would. Well, Craig didn't say anything, and Peter still didn't think it was his business. But then he overheard Sam at the party. She was talking to Mary Elizabeth about how Craig might be the one, and how she was trying to think of ways to keep it going long distance when she was at school. Letters, phone calls, vacations, and breaks. That was it for Peter. He went up to Craig and said, You tell her something now or I tell ever I or I tell her everything. So Craig pulled Sam into his bedroom. They were in there for a while. Then Sam walked in walked from the bedroom straight out the front door, silently sobbing. Craig didn't run after her. That was probably the worst part. Not that he should have tried to get back together with her, but I think he should have run after her anyway. All that I know all I know is that Sam was devastated. Mary Elizabeth and Alice went after her to make sure she was okay. I would have gone too, but Patrick grabbed my arm to stay. He wanted to know what was going on, I guess, or maybe he figured that Sam would be better off with female company. I'm glad we stayed, though, because I think her presence prevented a pretty violent fight between Craig and Peter, because we were there. All they really did was scream at each other. That's where I heard most of the details I'm writing to you about. Craig would say, fuck you, Peter, fuck you, and Peter would say, don't blame me that you fucked around on her since the beginning. That afternoon of prom, you're just a bastard, you hear me? A fucking bastard. Things like that. When it looked like things were going to get violent, Patrick stepped between the two, and with my help, Peter got out of the apartment. When we got outside, the girls were gone. So Patrick and I got into Patrick, Patrick's car and drove Peter home. He was still seething, so he vented about Craig. That's where I heard the rest of the details I'm writing to you about. Finally, we dropped Peter off, and he made us a promise to make sure Mary Elizabeth didn't think he was cheating on her because he wasn't. He just didn't want to be guilty by association with that prick. We promised, and we went to it, went into his apartment building. Patrick and I weren't sure how much Craig actually told Sam. We both hoped he gave her a soft version of the truth, enough to make her stay, but not enough to make her doubt everything about everything. Maybe it's better to not know the whole truth. I honestly don't know. So we just made a pact that we wouldn't tell her unless we found out that Craig made it sound like nothing big and Sam was ready to forgive him. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope Craig told her enough to make her stay away. We drove around to all the places where we thought we might find the girls, but we couldn't find them. Patrick figured they were probably just driving around, trying to let Sam cool off a bit. So Patrick brought me at my house. He said he'd call me tomorrow when he heard anything. I remember going to sleep that night, 
and I realized something, something that I think is important. I realized that throughout the course of the evening, I wasn't happy about Craig and Sam breaking up, not at all. I never once thought that it would mean Sam might start liking me. All I cared about was the fact that Sam got really hurt, and I guess I realized at that moment that I really did love her, because there was nothing, there was nothing to gain, and that didn't matter. It was hard walking up the steps to Bill's townhouse that afternoon, because I didn't receive a phone call all morning from Patrick, and I was so worried about Sam. I called her on the phone, but no one was there. Bill looks different without a suit. He was wearing his old graduate school t-shirt, which was brown, the school, not his, not the color. His girlfriend was wearing sandals and a nice flower dress. She even had hair under her arms. No kidding. They looked very happy together, and I was glad for Bill. Their house didn't have a lot of furniture in it, but it was very comfortable. They had a lot of books, which I spent about half an hour asking them about. There was also a picture of Bill and his girlfriend, and they were at Brown together in graduate school. Bill had very long hair then. Bill's girlfriend made lunch while Bill made the salad. I just sat in the kitchen drinking a ginger ale and watching them. The lunch was a spaghetti dish of some sort because Bill's girlfriend doesn't eat meat. Bill doesn't eat meat either now. The salad did have an imitation bacon bits though because bacon is the only thing they both miss. They had a really nice collection of jazz records and they kept playing them all through lunch. After a while, they broke up in a bottle of white wine and gave me another ginger ale. Then we started talking. Bill asked me about the fountainhead, and I told him, making sure I was a filter. Then he asked me about how I liked my first year of high school, and I told him, making sure that I included all the stories in which I participated. Then he asked me about girls, and I told him how I really loved Sam, and I, how I wondered what the lady who wrote the fountainhead would say about how I came to realize that I loved her. After I finished, Bill got very quiet. He cleared his throat. Charlie, I want to say thank you. Why? I said, because it has been a wonderful experience teaching you. Oh. I didn't know what else to say. Then Bill took his this really long pause, and his voice sounded like my dad when he wants to have a big talk. Charlie, he said, do you know why I gave you all that extra work? I shook my head, but no. The look on his face, it made me quiet. Charlie, do you know how smart you are? I just shook my head again. He was talking for real. It was strange. Charlie, you're one of the most gifted people I've ever known, and I don't mean in terms of my other students. I mean in terms of anyone I've ever met. That's why I gave you the extra work. I was wondering if you were aware of that. I guess so. I don't know. It felt really strange. I didn't know where this was coming from. I just wrote some essays. Charlie, please, don't take this in the wrong way. I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I just want you to know that you're very special, and the only reason I'm telling you is that I don't know if anyone else ever has. I looked up to him, and then I didn't feel strange. I felt like I wanted to cry. He was being so nice to me, and the way his girlfriend looked, I knew that this meant a lot to him, and I didn't know why it did. So when the school year ends... I'm not your teacher anymore. I want, I want, and I'm not your teacher anymore. I want you to know that if you ever need anything, or want, want to know more about books, or want me to show you anything, want, or want to show me anything you write or anything, you can always come to me as a friend. I do consider you a friend, Charlie. I started crying a little bit. I actually think his girlfriend was too, but Bill wasn't. He looked very solid. I just remember wanting to hug him, but I've never done that before, and I guess Patrick and girls and family and family don't count. I didn't say anything for a while because I didn't know what to say. So finally, I just said, you're the best teacher I've ever had. And he said, thank you. And that was that. Bill didn't try to make sure that I would see him next year if I need, need anything. He didn't ask me why I was crying. He just let me hear what he had to, what he had to say in my own way and let things be. This was probably the best part. After a few minutes, it's time for me to leave. I don't know who decides these things. It just happens. So we went to the door and Bill's girlfriend hugged me goodbye, which was very nice considering I didn't know her except for today. Then Bill extended his hand and I took it and we shook hands and I even sneaked in a quick goodbye hug before I said goodbye.
When I was driving home, I just thought about the word special, and I thought the last person who said that about me was my Aunt Helen. I was very grateful to have heard it again, because I guess we all forget sometimes. And I think everyone is special in their own way. I really do. My brother gets home tonight, and everyone's graduation is tomorrow. Patrick still hasn't called. I called him, but Ellen was home again. So I decided to go out and buy everyone their graduation presents. I really hadn't thought had time to do that until now. Love always, Charlie. June 6th. 16th 1992 dear friend i just rode home on the bus it was the last day of school for me today and it was raining when i do ride the bus i usually sit towards the middle because i heard sitting in the front is for nerds and sitting in the back is for squids and the whole thing makes me nervous i don't know what they call squids in other schools anyway today i decided to sit in the front with my legs over the whole seat kind of like i was lying down with my back on the window i did so i could look at the other kids on the bus i'm glad school buses don't have seat belts or else i wouldn't have been able to do it the only thing i noticed was how different everyone looked. We were all, when we were all little, we used to sing songs on the bus ride home from the last day of school. The favorite song was Pink Floyd's song I found out later called Another Brick in the Wall Part Two. But there was another song, there was this other song we loved even more because it ended with a swear. It went like this, no more pencils, no more books, no more teachers, dirty looks. When the teacher rings the bell, drop your books and run like hell. When we finished, we left the bus driver for a tenth second. Then we all started laughing because we, knew we could get in trouble for swearing but the strength of our numbers would prevent any retribution when we were too young to know that the bus driver didn't care about our song that all he wanted to do was go home after work and maybe sleep off the drinks he had at lunch back then it didn't matter the nerds and the squids were one my brother came home on saturday night and he looked and looked even more different than the kids on the school bus looked compared to the beginning of the year. He had a beard. I was so happy. He also smiled different and was more, more courteous. We all sat down to dinner and everyone asked him questions about college. Dad asked him about football. Mom asked him about classes. I asked about all the fun stories. My sister asked nervous questions about what college is really like and what she put on the freshman 15. I don't know what this is, but I'm guessing it means you get fatter. I was expecting my brother to just talk and talk about himself for a long time. He would do that whenever there was a big game in high school or the prom or something. But he seemed a lot more interested in what we were all doing, especially my sister with the graduation. So while they were talking, I suddenly remembered the TV news sportsman and what he said about my brother. I got so excited and I told the whole family and this is what happened as a result. My dad said, hey, how about that? My brother said, really? I said, yeah, I talked to him. My brother said, did he say anything good? My father said, any good, any press is good press. I don't want my father learns these things. My brother kept going. What did he say? I said, well, I think he said that college sports puts a lot of pressure on the students who do them. My brother kept nodding, but he said that it built character. And he said that Penn State was looking really good with their recruitment. And he mentioned you. My dad said, hey, how about that? My brother said, really? I said, yeah, I talked to him. My brother said, when did you talk to him? I said, a couple of weeks ago, and then I froze because I suddenly remembered the other part, the fact that I met the man in the park at night, and the other, and the fact that I gave him one of my cigarettes, and the fact he was trying to pick me up. I just sat there hoping it would go away, but it didn't. Where did you meet him, honey? My mom asked. The room turned pins and needles. Quiet. And I did my best impersonation of myself, and I can't remember anything. And here's what goes on inside my head. Okay, he came to school to have a talk with the class. No, my sister would know. It was a lie. I met him with the big boy. He was with his family. No, my dad would scold me for bothering the poor man. He said it on the newscast, but I started to talk to him. Wait, in the park. I was there with Patrick, I said. My dad said, was he there with his family? Did you bother the poor man? No, he was alone. That was enough for my dad and everybody else, and I didn't have to lie. Luckily, the attention was turned off of me when my mother said what she likes to say when we're all set out there celebrating. Who's in the mood for ice cream? Everyone 
was except my sister. I think she was worried about the freshman 15. The next morning started early. I still hadn't heard from Patrick or Sam or anybody, but I knew I would see them at graduation, so I tried not to worry too much. All my relatives, including my dad's family from Ohio, came to my house around 10 a.m. The two families really don't like each other except for all of us younger cousins because we don't know any better. We had this big brunch with champagne, and just like last year for my brother's graduation, my mom gave her dad and my grandfather sparkling juice instead of champagne because she didn't want him to get drunk and make a scene. And he said the same thing he said last year. This is good champagne. I don't think he knew the difference because he's a beer drinker, sometimes whiskey. Around 12.30, brunch was over. All the cousins drove all the cars because the adults were still a little too drunk to drive to the graduation, except for my dad because he was too busy videotaping everyone with a camera he rented from the video store. Why buy a camera when you only need it three times a year? So my sister, brother, dad, and mom and I each had to go in different cars to make sure nobody got lost. I went with all my Ohio cousins who promptly pulled out a joint and passed it around. I didn't smoke any of it because I wasn't in the mood, and they said what they always say, Charlie, you're such a pussy. So all the other cars pulled into parking lots and we all got out, and my sister yelled at my cousin Mike for rolling down the windows while he was driving and messing up her hair. I was smoking a cigarette, was his reply. Couldn't you wait ten minutes? Was my sister's. But it was a great song, was his final word. So my, as my dad was getting the video camera out of the trunk and my brother was talking to some of the graduating girls who were a year old, who were a year older and looking good. My sister went for my went for my mom to get my mom's purse. The great thing about my mom's purse is that no matter what you need at any given moment, she has it. When I was little, I used to pull out a first aid kit because that's all we needed back then. I still can't figure out how she does it. After primping, my sister followed the trail of graduation caps and we all found our way to the bleachers. I sat in between my mom and brother since my dad was off getting a better camera angle and my mom kept kept shushing my grandfather who kept talking about how many black people were in the school. When she couldn't stop him, she mentioned my story about the TV news reporter man talking about my brother. This made my grandfather call my brother over to talk about it. This was smart on my mom's part because my brother is the only person who can get my grandfather to stop making a scene because he's really direct about it. After the story, this is what happened. Jesus, look at these bleachers. How many colored people? My brother cut him off. Okay, Grandpa, here's the deal. If you embarrass us one more time, I'm going to drive you back to the nursing home and you'll never see your granddaughter give a speech. My brother is real tough. But then you won't see the speech either, big shot. My brother, my grandfather's real tough too. Yeah, but my dad is videotaping it, and I can arrange it, so I see the tape, and you don't, can't I? My grandfather has a really weird smile, especially when someone else wins. He didn't say anything more about it. He just started talking about football, and he didn't mention anything about my brother playing on a team with black kids. I can't tell you how bad it was last year since my brother was on the field graduating instead of up in the bleachers making my grandfather stop. While they were talking, I kept looking for Patrick and Sam, but all I saw were those graduation caps in the distance. When the music started, the caps started marching forward toward the folding chair set up on the field. That's when I saw Sam walking behind Patrick. I was so relieved. I couldn't tell if she was happy or sad, but it was enough to just see her and know that she was here. When all the kids got in their chairs, the music stopped, and Mr. Small got up and gave a speech about what a wonderful class this was. He mentioned some of the achievements the school had made, and he emphasized how much they needed support and at the community day bake sale and started a new computer lab. Then he introduced the class president who gave a speech. I don't know what the class presidents do, but the girl gave a really good speech. Then it was time for the five top honor students to give a speech. That's the traditions in the school. My sister was second in her class, so she gave the fourth speech. The valedictorian is always last. Then Mr. Small and the vice principal, whom Patrick swears is gay, hands out diplomas. The first three speeches were very similar. They all had quotes from pop songs that had something to do with the future. All through the speeches, I could see my mother's hands. She was gripping them tighter and tighter together. When they announced my sister's name, my mom uncoiled into applause. 
it was really great watching my sister get on the podium because my brother was something like 223rd in this class and consequently did not get to give a speech. Maybe I'm biased, but when my sister quoted a pop song and talked about the future, it seemed great. I looked over at my brother and he looked over at me and we both smiled. Then we looked at my mother and she was crying real soft and messy, so my brother and I each shook one of her hands. She looked at us and smiled and cried harder. Then we both rested our heads on her shoulders like a sideways hug, which made her cry even harder, or maybe it let her or maybe it let her cry even harder. I'm not sure which, but she gave our hands a little squeeze and said, my boys, real soft, and went back to crying. I love my mom so much. I don't care if that's corny to say. I think on my next birthday, I'm going to buy her a present. I think that should be a tradition. The kid gets gifts from everybody, and he buys one present for his mom since she was there too. I think that would be nice. When my sister finished her speech, we all clapped and yelled, but nobody clapped or yelled louder than my grandfather. Nobody. I don't remember what the valedictorian said, except that she quoted Henry David Thoreau instead of a pop song. Then Mr. Small got up on stage and asked everyone to refrain from applause until all the names were read and all the diplomas were handed out. I should mention this didn't work last year either. So I saw my sister get a diploma and my mother cry again. And then I saw Mary Elizabeth and I saw Alice and I saw Patrick and I saw Sam. It was a great day. Even when I saw Brad, it seemed okay. We all met my sister in the parking lot. The first one to hug her was my grandfather. He really is a proud man in this way. Everyone said how much they loved my sister's speech, even if they didn't. Then we all saw my father walking across the parking lot, holding the video camera above his head triumphantly. I don't think anybody hugged my sister longer than my dad. I looked around for Sam and Patrick, but I couldn't find them anywhere. On the way home from the party, my Ohio cousins lit up another joint. This time he took a hit, but they still called me a pussy. I don't know why. Maybe that's just what Ohio cousins do. That and they tell jokes. What has 32 legs and one tooth? What? And we all asked. A West Virginia unemployment line. Things like that. Then we got home from, and my Ohio cousins went straight for the bar because graduation seemed to be the one occasion where anyone can drink. At least it was like that last year and this year. I wonder what my graduation will be like. It seems very far away. So my sister spent the first hour of the party opening up all the gifts and her smile grew with each check, sweater, or $50 bill. Nobody in our family is rich, but it seems like everybody saves up just enough for these kind of events, and we all pretend we're rich for the day. The only people who didn't get my sister money or sweater were my brother and I. My brother promised to take her out one day to shop for college things like soap, which he would pay for, and I bought her a little house that was hand-carved out of some stone and painted in England. I told her I wanted to give her something that makes her feel like she's at home after she goes away. My sister actually kissed my cheek for that. But the best part of the party happened when my mother came to me and said I had a phone call. I went to the phone. Hello. Charlie. Sam. When are you coming over? She asked. Now, I said that my father, who's drinking a whiskey sour, growled. You're not going anywhere until your relatives leave, you hear me? Uh, Sam, I have to wait for my relatives to leave. I said, okay, we'll be here until seven. Then we'll call you from wherever we are. Sam really sounded happy. Okay, Sam, congratulations. Thanks, Charlie. Bye. Bye. I hung up the phone. I swear to you, I thought my relatives would never leave. Every story they told, every pig in a blanket they ate, every photograph they looked at, and every time I heard, when you were this high with the appropriate gesture, it was like the clock stopped. It's not that I minded the stories because I didn't, and the pigs in the blanket were quite good, but I wanted to see Sam. At about 9.30, everyone was stuffed and sober. At 9.45, hugs were over. At 9.50, the driveway was clear. My father gave me $20 and keys to the car, saying, thanks for sticking around. It meant a lot to me and the family. He was tipsy, but it meant but meant it just the same. Sam told me they were going to dance in a club downtown, so I loaded everyone's gifts in my trunk, climbed in the car, and drove away. There's something about the tunnel that leads to the downtown. It's glorious at night, just glorious. You start on one side of the mountain, and it's dark, and the radio's loud as you enter the tunnel. Wind gets sucked away, and you squint from the 
the lights overhead. When you adjust the lights, you can see the other side in the distance as the sound of the radio fades to nothing because the waves can't reach them. Then you're in the middle of the tunnel and everything becomes a calm dream. As you see the opening get closer, you, you just can't get there fast enough. And finally, when you, just when you think you'll never get there, you see the opening right in front of you. And the radio comes back even louder than you remember it. And the wind is waiting and you fly out of the tunnel onto the bridge. And there, there it is, the city. A million lights and buildings and everything seems as exciting as before you saw it. It really is a grand entrance. After about half an hour of looking around the dance club, I finally saw Mary Elizabeth with Peter. They were both drinking scotch and sodas, which Peter bought since he is older and had his drinks stamped, had his hand stamped. I congratulated Mary Elizabeth and asked her where everyone was. She told me that Alice was getting high in the ladies' room and Sam and Patrick were, dancing, were on the floor dancing. She said to just have a seat until they came back because she didn't know where they were specifically. So I sat down and listened to Peter argue with Mary Elizabeth about Democratic candidates. Again, the clock seemed to stop. I wanted to see Sam that badly. After about three songs, Sam and Patrick came back, completely coated in sweat. Charlie, I stood up, and we all hugged like we hadn't seen each other in months. Considering everything that happened, I guess that makes sense. After we let go, Sam lay on top of Peter and Mary Elizabeth like they were a sofa. Then he took Mary Elizabeth's drink out of her hand and drank it. Hey, asshole, was her response. I think he was drunk, even though he, ha he hasn't been drinking lately, but Patrick does that stuff sober, so it's hard to tell. That's when Sam grabbed my hand. I loved the song, and she led me to the dance floor, and she started dancing, and I started dancing. It was a fast song, so I wasn't very good, but she didn't seem to mind. We were just dancing, and that was enough. The song ended, and the slow one came on. She looked at me. I looked at her. Then she took my hands and pulled me into a slow dance. I don't know how to dance slow very well either, but I do know how to sway. Her whisper smelled like cranberry juice and vodka. I looked for you in the parking lot today. I hope. I hoped mine still smelled like toothpaste. I was looking for you, too. Then we were quiet for the rest of the song. She held a little closer. I held her a little closer. And we kept dancing. It was the one time all day that I really wanted the clock to stop and just be there for a long time. After the dance club, we went back to Peter's apartment, and I gave everyone their graduation presents. I gave Alice a film book about the Night of the Living Dead, which she liked, and I gave Mary Elizabeth a copy of My Life as a Dog on videotape with subtitles, which she loved. Then I gave Patrick and Sam their presents. I even wrapped them up special. I used the Sunday funny papers because they are in color. Patrick tore through his. Sam didn't rip any paper. She just plucked off the tape, and they looked at what was inside each box. I gave Patrick on the road, naked lunch, the stranger, the side of paradise, Peter Pan, and a separate piece. I gave Sam to kill a mockingbird, the catcher in the rye, the great Gatsby, Hamlet, Walden, and the fountainhead. Under the books was a card that I wrote using the typewriter Sam bought me. The card said that these were copies of my favorite books, and I wanted Sam and Patrick to have them because they were my two favorite people in the whole world. When they looked up from the reading, they were quiet. Nobody smiled or cried or did anything. We were just open, looking at each other. That's when I knew. They knew I meant the cards that I wrote, and I knew it meant a lot to them. What do the cards say? Mary Elizabeth asked. Do you mind? Charlie asked. Patrick asked. I shook my head no. And they each read their cards while I went up to fill a coffee cup with red wine. When I came back, they all looked at me. I'm going to miss you all very much. I hope you have a great time at college. And then I started crying because it suddenly hit me that they were all leaving. I think P Peter knows I'm a little strange. So Sam stood up and took me into the kitchen, telling me on the way there that it was okay. When we got to the kitchen, I was a little more calm. Sam said, you know, I'm leaving in a week, Charlie. Yeah, I know. Don't start crying again. Okay. I want you to listen. Okay. I'm really scared to be alone at college. You are? I asked. I never really thought of that before. Just like you're scared to be alone here. Okay, I nodded. So I'll make you a deal. 
When things get to be too much at college, I'll call you. And when things get to be too much here, you call me. Could we write letters back and forth? Of course, she said. Then I started crying again. I really am on a roller coaster sometimes. But Sam was patient. Charlie, I'm going to be back at the end of summer. But before we think about that, let's just enjoy this last week together, all of us, okay? I nodded and calmed down. We spent the rest of the night just drinking and listening to music like we always did, but this time it was at Peter's and it wasn't and it was better than Craig's actually because Peter was a, has a better music collection. It was about one o'clock in the morning when it suddenly occurred to me. Oh my god, I said, Charlie, what's wrong? Tomorrow's a school day. I don't think I could have made them laugh harder. Peter took me into the kitchen to make me coffee so I could sober up to drive home. I had about eight cups in a row and was ready to drive home in about 20 minutes. The problem was, by the time I got home, I was so awake from the coffee I couldn't fall asleep. By the time I got to school, I felt like I was dying. Luckily, all the finals were over, and on all day, all we did was watch film strips. I don't think I ever slept better. I was glad, too, because school really is lonely without them. Today was different because I didn't sleep and I didn't get to see Sam or Patrick last night because they were having a special dinner out with their parents and my brother was on a date with one of the girls who was looking good at graduation. My sister was busy with her boyfriend and my mom and dad were still tired from the graduation party. Today pretty much every teacher just let the kids sit around and talk after we handed in their textbooks. I honestly didn't know anybody except for maybe Susan. But after the time in the hallway, she avoided me more than ever, so I really, I didn't really talk. The only good class was Bill's, because I got to talk to Bill. It was hard saying goodbye to him after class was over, and he said it wasn't goodbye. I could call him any time over summer if I wanted to talk or borrow books, and that made me feel better. The one kid with crooked teeth named Leonard called me a teacher's pet in the hallway after Bill's class, but I didn't mind because I think he missed the point somewhere. I ate lunch outside on the bench where we all used to smoke. I, after I ate my ho-ho, I lit up a cigarette and was kind of hoping someone would ask me for one, but no one did. When the last class was over, everyone was cheering and making plans with each other for the summer, and everyone was clearing out their lockers by throwing their old papers and notebooks on the hallway floor. When I got to my locker, I saw the skinny kid who had the locker next to me all year. I'd never really talked to him. I cleared my throat and said, hey, my name is Charlie. All he said was, I know. Then he closed his locker door and walked away, so I just opened my locker and put all my old papers and things in my backpack and walked over the debris of books and paper and notes in the hallway to the parking lot outside. Then I got on the bus. Then I wrote this letter to you. I'm actually really glad that the school year is over. I want to spend a lot of time with everyone before they leave, especially Sam. By the way, I ended up getting straight A's the whole year. My mother was very proud of me to put my report card on the refrigerator. Love always, Charlie. June 22nd, 1992. The night before Sam was going to leave made the whole week a blur. Sam was frantic because not only did she not spend time with us, no, Sam was frantic because not only she, did she need to spend time with us, but she had to get ready to go, buying things, packing things, things like that. Every night we would all get together after Sam had just said goodbye to some uncle or had another lunch with her mom or had done some shopping for school. She was scared. And it wasn't until she had a sip of whatever we were drinking or hit off of whatever we were smoking that she would calm down and meet the same Sam. The one thing that really helped Sam through her last week was her lunch with Craig. She said she wanted to see him to have some kind of closure. I guess she was lucky enough to get it because Craig was nice enough to tell her that she was right to break up with him and that she was a special person and that he was sorry and wished her well. It's strange the times people choose to be generous. The best part was that Sam didn't ask him about the girls he might be dating even though she wanted to know. She wasn't bitter. She was sad, though, but it was the hopeful kind of sad, the kind of sad that just takes time. On the night before she left, we were all there at Sam and Patrick's house, Bob, Alice, Mary Elizabeth, without Peter, and I. We just sat in the rug, on the rug in the games room remembering things, remembering the show where Patrick did this, or 
remember when Bob did this, or Charlie, or Mary Elizabeth, or Alice, or Sam. The inside jokes weren't jokes anymore. They'd become stories. Nobody brought up the bad names or the bad times, and nobody felt sad as long as we couldn't postpone tomorrow with some more nostalgia. After a while, Mary Elizabeth and Bob and Alice left, saying they would be back in the morning to see Sam off. So it was just me, Patrick, and Sam just sitting there, not saying much, until we started our own Remember When. Remember when Charlie first came up? to us at the football game and remember when charlie let the air out of dave's tires at the homecoming dance and remember the poem and the mixtape and punk rocky in color and remember when we when we all felt infinite after i said that we all got quiet and sad in the silence i remembered this one time when i that i never told anybody about the time we were walking just the three of us and i was in the middle I don't remember what we were talking about or where we were talking, walking from. I don't remember this season. I just remember walking between them and feeling for the first time that I belong somewhere. Finally, Patrick stood up. I'm tired, guys. Good night. Then he messed up our hair and went to his room. Sam turned to me. Charlie, I have to pack some, up some things. Would you stay with me for a while? I nodded, and we went upstairs. As we entered her room, I noticed how different it looked from the night Sam kissed me. The pictures were down and the dressers were empty and everything was in a big pile on the bed. I said to myself that I would not cry no matter what because I didn't want to make Sam feel any more panicked than she already was. So I just watched her back and I tried to notice as many details as I possibly could. Her long hair and her thin wrists and her green eyes. I wanted to remember everything, especially the sound of her voice. Sam talked about a lot of things trying to keep herself distracted. She talked about what a long drive they had tomorrow and how her parents had rented a van. She wondered what her classes would be like and what her eventual major would be. She said she didn't want to join a sorority but was looking forward to the football games. She was just getting more and more sad. Finally, she turned around. Why, did, why didn't you ask me out when the whole Craig thing happened? I just sat there. I didn't know what to say. She said it soft. Charlie, after that thing with Mary Elizabeth at the party and us dancing at the club and on everything, I didn't know what to say. Honestly, I was lost. Okay, Charlie, I'll make this easy. When that whole thing happened with Craig, what did you think? She really wanted to know. I said, well, I thought a lot of things, but mostly I thought that your being sad was much more important to me than Craig not being your boyfriend anymore. And if it meant that I would never get to think of you that way, as long as you were happy, it was okay. That's when I realized I really love you. She sat down on the floor with me. She spoke quiet. Charlie, don't you get it? I can't feel that. It's sweet and everything, but it's like you're not even there sometimes. It's great that you can listen and be a shoulder to someone, but what about when someone doesn't need your shoulder? What if they need arms or something like that? You can't just sit there and put everyone's lives ahead of yours and think that that counts as love. You just can't. You have to do things. Like what? I asked. My mouth was dry. I don't know. Like take their hands when the slow song comes on for a change, or be the one who asks someone on a date, or tell people that you, what you need or what you want. Like on the dance floor, did you want to kiss me? Yeah, I said. Then why didn't you? She asked real serious. Because I didn't think you wanted me to. Why did you think that? Because of what you said. What I said nine months ago, when I told you not to think of me that way? I nodded. Charlie, I also told you not to tell Mary Elizabeth she was pretty, and to ask her a lot of questions and not to interrupt her. Now, she's with a guy who does the exact opposite, and it works because that's who Peter really is. He's being himself, and he does things. But I didn't like Mary Elizabeth. Charlie, you're missing the point. The point is, I don't think you should have acted different even if you did like Mary Elizabeth. It's like when you come to Patrick's rescue and hurt two guys in tr that are trying to hurt him, but... What about when Patrick's hurting himself? Like, when when you guys went to the park or when he was kissing you? Did you want him to kiss you? I shook my head no. So why did you let him? I was just trying to be a friend, I said. But you weren't, Charlie. At those times, you weren't being his friend at all because you weren't honest with him. I sat there very still. I looked at the floor. I didn't say anything. Very uncomfortable. 
Charlie, I told you not to think of me that way nine months ago because of what I'm saying now. Not because of Craig. Not because I didn't think you were great. It's just I don't that I don't want to be somebody's crush. If somebody likes me, I want them to like the real me, not what they think I am. And I don't want them to carry it around inside. I want them to show me so I can feel it too. I want them to be able to do whatever they want around me. And if that, and if they do something I don't like, I'll tell them. She was starting to cry a little, but she wasn't sad. You know, I blame Craig for not letting me do things. You know how stupid I feel about that now? Maybe he didn't really encourage me to do things, but he didn't prevent me from doing anything them either. But after a while, I didn't do things because I didn't want him to think different about me. But the thing is, I wasn't being honest. So why would I care whether or not he loved me when he didn't even really show me or know me? I looked up her. She had stopped crying. So tomorrow I'm leaving and I'm not going to let that happen without with anyone else. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be who I really am and I'm going to figure out what that is. But right now I'm here with you and I want to know where you are, what you need and what you want me want to do. She waited patiently for my answer, but after everything she said, I figured that I should just do what I wanted to do, not think about it, not say it out loud. And if she didn't like it, then she could just say so and we could go back to packing. So I kissed her, and she kissed me back, and we laid down on the floor and kept kissing, and it was soft, and we, were, we made quiet noises and kept silent and still. We went over to the bed and lay down on all the things that weren't put in suitcases, and we touched each other from the waist up all over our clothes, and then under our clothes, and then without clothes, and it was so beautiful. She was so beautiful. She took my hand and slid it under her pants, and I touched her, and I just couldn't believe it, and it was like everything made sense to me, until she moved her hand under my pants, and she touched me that's when I stopped her. What's wrong? She asked. Did that hurt? I shook my head. It felt really good, actually. I didn't know what was wrong. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, don't be sorry, I said. But I feel bad, she said. But don't feel bad. It was very nice. And I said, I was starting to get really upset. You're not ready, she asked. I nodded, but that wasn't it. I didn't know what it was. It's okay that you're not ready, she said. She was being really nice to me, but I was just feeling so bad. Charlie, do you want to go home, she asked. I guess I nodded because she helped me get dressed. And then she put on her shirt and I went to kick myself, and I wanted to kick myself for being such a baby because I loved Sam when we were together, and I was ruining it, just ruining it, just terrible. I felt so terrible. She took me outside. Do you need a ride? She asked. I had my father's car. I wasn't drunk. She looked really worried. No, thanks. Charlie, I'm not going to let you drive like this. I'm sorry. I'll walk then, I said. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm driving you home. She went to another room to get the car keys. I just stood in the entry hall. I felt like I wanted to die. You're white as a sheet, Charlie. Do you need some water? No, I don't. I started to cry really hard. Here, just lie down on the couch, she said. She laid me down on the couch. She brought out damp, a damp washcloth and put it on my forehead. You can sleep here tonight, okay? Okay, just calm down. Take deep breaths. I did what she told me, and just before I fell asleep, I said something. I can't do that anymore. I'm sorry. I said, it's okay, Charlie. Just go to sleep, Sam said. But I wasn't talking to Sam anymore. I was talking to someone else. When I fell asleep, I had this dream. My brother and my sister and I were watching television with my Aunt Helen. Everything was in slow motion. The sound was thick, and she was doing what Sam was doing. That's when I woke up, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Sam and Patrick were standing over me. Patrick asked if I wanted some breakfast. I guess I nodded. We went and ate. Sam still looked worried. Patrick looked normal. We had bacon and eggs with our parents, and everyone made small talk. I don't know why I'm telling you about bacon eggs. It's not important. It's not important at all. Mary Elizabeth and everyone came over, and while Sam's mom was very busy checking everything twice, we all walked to the driveway. Sam and Patrick's parents got in the van. Patrick got in the driver's side of Sam's pickup truck, telling everyone he'd see them in a couple of days. Then Sam hugged me and said goodbye to everyone. Since she was coming back for a few days towards the end of summer, it was more like a see than a goodbye. I was last. Sam walked up to me and held me for a long time. Finally, she whispered in my ear. She said a lot of wonderful things about how it was okay that I wasn't ready last night, and how she would miss me, and how she wanted me to take care of myself while she was gone. You're my best friend, was all I could say in return. She smiled and kissed my cheek, and it was like for a moment the bad part of last night disappeared, but it still felt like a goodbye rather than a see it. The thing was, I didn't cry. I didn't know what I felt. 
Finally, Sam climbed in her pickup truck, and Patrick started it up, and a great song was playing, and everyone smiled, including me, but I wasn't there anymore. It wasn't until I could see the cars that I came back, and things started feeling bad again, but this time they felt much worse. Mary Elizabeth and everyone were crying now, and they asked me if I wanted to go to the big boy or something, and I told them no. Thank you, I need to go home. Are you okay, Charlie? Mary Elizabeth asked. I guess I was starting to look bad again because she looked worried. Are you okay, Charlie? Mary Elizabeth, I'm fine. I'm fine, I'm just tired. I lied, I got in my dad's car and I drove away and I could hear all these songs on the radio, but the radio wasn't on. And when I got into the driveway, I think I forgot to turn off the car. I just went to the couch in the family room where the TV is and I could see the TV shows, but the TV wasn't on. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's like all I can do is keep writing this gibberish to keep from breaking apart. Sam's gone and Patrick won't be home for a few days. And I just couldn't talk with Mary Elizabeth or anybody or my brother or anyone in my family. Except maybe my aunt Helen, but she's gone. And even if she were here, I don't think I could talk to her either. Because I'm starting to feel like what I dreamt about her last night was true. And my psychiatrist questions weren't weird after all. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I know other people have it a lot worse. I do know that. But it's crashing in a way. It's crashing in any way. And I just can't think... Stop thinking about the little kid eating french fries with his mom and shopping in the mall is going to grow up and hit my sister. I'd do anything not to think like that. I know I'm thinking too fast again, and it's all in my head like the trance, but it's there and it won't go away. I just keep seeing him, and he keeps hitting my sister, and he won't stop, and I want him to stop because he doesn't mean it, but he just doesn't listen, and I don't know what to do. I'm sorry, but I have to stop this letter now. But first, I want to thank you for being one of those people who listens and understands and doesn't try to sleep with people even though... You could have. I really mean it, and I'm sorry I've put you through this when you don't even know who I am, and we've never met in person, and I can't tell you who I am because I promise to keep all those little secrets. I just want you to think that I picked your name out of the phone book. It would kill... I just don't want you to think that I picked your name out of the phone book. It would kill me if you thought that. So please believe in me when I tell you I felt terrible after Michael died, and I saw a girl in class who didn't notice me, and she talked all about you to a friend of hers, and even though... I didn't know you, I felt like I did, because you sounded like a good person. The kind of person who wouldn't mind receiving letters from a kid. The kind of person who would understand how they were better than a diary, because there is no communion and a diary can be found. I just don't want you to worry about me, or think you've met me, or waste your time anymore. I'm so sorry that I wasted your time, because you really do mean a lot to me. And I hope you have a very nice life, because I really think you deserve it. I really do. I hope you do, too. Okay, then. Goodbye. Love always. Charlie. Apple. And now this is the epilogue. August 23rd, 1992. Dear friend, I've been in the hospital for the past two months. They just released me yesterday. The doctor told me that my mother and my father found me sitting on the couch in the family room. I was completely naked, just watching the television, which wasn't on. I wouldn't speak or snap out of it. They said my father even slapped me to wake me up. And like I told you, he never hits. But it didn't work, so they brought me to the hospital where I stayed when I was seven after my Aunt Helen died. They told me I didn't speak or acknowledge anyone for a week, not even Patrick, who I guess visited me during this time. It's scary to think about. All I remember is putting the letter in the mailbox. The next thing I knew, I was sitting in the doctor's office, and I remember my Aunt Helen, and I started to cry, and the doctor, who turned out to be a very nice woman, started asking me questions, which I answered. I don't really want to talk about the questions and the answers, but I kind of figured out that after everything I dreamt about my Aunt Helen was true, and after a while, I realized that it happened every Saturday when we would watch television. The first few weeks in the hospital were the very hard part. The hardest part was sitting in the doctor's office when the doctor told my mom and dad what had happened. I had never seen my mother cry so much or my father look so angry because they didn't know what was happening when it was. But the doctor had helped has helped me work out a lot of things about my Aunt Helen and about my family and friends. There are a lot of stages of these kinds of things and she was really 
great through all of them. The thing that helped me the most, though, was the time I could have visitors. My family, including my brother and sister, always came for those days until my brother had to go back to school to play football. After that, my family came without my brother, and my brother sent me cards. He even told me on his last card that he read my report on Walden and liked it a lot, which made me feel really good, just like the time I, first time I saw Patrick. The best thing about Patrick is that even when you're in the hospital, he doesn't change. He just cracks jokes to make you feel better instead of asking questions about feeling worse. He even brought me a letter from Sam, and Sam said that she was coming back at the end of August, and if I got better by then, she and Patrick would drive me through the tunnel, and this time, I could stand in the back of the pickup truck if I wanted. Things like that helped me more than anything. The days when I received mail were good, too. My grandfather sent me a really nice letter, and, and great so did my grandma and great uncle Phil. My aunt Rebecca even sent me flowers with a card that was signed by all my Ohio cousins. It was nice to know they were thinking about me, just like it was nice the time Patrick brought Mary Elizabeth and Alice and Bob and everyone for his visit, including Peter and Craig. I guess they're friends again. And I was glad they were, just like I was glad that Mary Elizabeth did most of the talking because it made feel, things feel normal. Mary Elizabeth even stayed a little later than the others. I was so happy to have a chance to talk with her alone before she left for Berkeley, just like I was happy for Bill and his girlfriend when they came to see me two weeks ago. They're getting married this November and they want me to go to their wedding. It's nice to have things to look forward to. The time it started to feel like everything was about, was going to be alright was when my sister and brother stayed from stayed after my parents. This was sometime in July. They asked me a lot of questions about Aunt Helen because I guess nothing had ever happened to them, and my brother looked really sad, and my sister looked really mad. It was at the time that things started to get clearer, because there was nobody to hate anymore after that. What I mean is, I looked at my brother and sister, and I just thought that maybe someday they would be an aunt or an uncle, just like I would be an uncle, just like my mother and Aunt Helen were sisters. And we could all sit around and wonder and feel bad about, e feel bad about each other and blame a lot of people for what they did or didn't do, or what they didn't know. I know. I don't know. I guess there could always be someone to blame. Maybe if my grandfather didn't hit her, my mom wouldn't be so quiet. And maybe she wouldn't have married my dad because he doesn't hit. And maybe I would never have been born. But I'm very glad to have been born. So I don't know what to say about it all, especially since my mom seems happy with her life. I don't know what else there is to want. It's like if I blame my Aunt Helen, I would have to blame her dad for hitting her and the friend of the family that fooled around with her when she was little and the person that fooled around with him and God for not stopping all these things that are much worse. And I did not do that for and I did do that for a while but then I just couldn't anymore because it wasn't going anywhere because it wasn't the point I'm not the way I am because of what I dreamt and remembered about my aunt Helen that's what I figured out when things got quiet and I think that's very important to know it made things clear and it, clear and together don't get me wrong I know what happened was important and I needed to remember it but it's like what the doctor told me the story of when the doctor told me the story of these two brothers whose dad was a bad alcoholic. One brother grew up to be a successful carpenter who never drank. The other brother ended up being a drinker as bad as his dad was. When they asked the first brother why he didn't drink, he said that he saw what it did to his father. He could never bring himself to even try. When they asked the other brother, he said that he guessed he learned how to drink on his father's knee. So I guess when we are who we are for a lot of reasons, and maybe we'll never know most of it. But even if we don't have the power to choose where they come from, we can still choose where we go from there. We can still do things, and we can try to feel okay about ourselves. I think that if I ever have kids and they are upset, I won't tell them that people are starving in China or anything like that, because it won't change the fact that they are upset. And even if somebody else has it much worse, that doesn't really change the fact that you have what you have. Good and bad, just like my sister said when I had been in the hospital for a while. She said that she was really worried about going to college, and considering that I was what I was going through, she felt really, felt really dumb about it. But I don't know why she would feel dumb. I'd be worried, too. And really, I don't think I have it any better or worse than she does. I don't know. It's just different. Maybe it's good to put things in perspective, but sometimes I think that the only perspective is to be really there.
like Sam said, because it's okay to feel things and be who you are about them. When I got released yesterday, my mom drove me home. It was in the afternoon, she asked me if I was hungry, and I said yes. And then she asked me what I wanted, and I told her I wanted to go to McDonald's, like we did when I was little and got sick and stayed home from school. So we went there, and it was nice to be with my mom and eat french fries. And later that night, we went to be with my family at dinner time and have things just be like they always were. That was the amazing part. Things just keep going. We didn't talk about anything heavy or light. We were just together and that was enough. So today my father went to work and my mother took my sister and me to take care of last minute things for my sister since she's leaving for college in a few days. When we got back, they called Patrick's house because he said that Sam would be home by then. Sam answered the phone and it was so nice to hear her voice. Later that they came in Sam's pickup truck and we went to the big boy just like we always did. Sam told us about her life at school, which sounded very exciting, and I told her about my life in the hospital, which didn't. Patrick made jokes to keep everyone honest. After we left, we got in Sam's pickup truck, and just like Sam promised, we drove through the tunnel. About half a mile from the tunnel, Sam stopped the car, and I climbed in the back. Patrick played the radio really loud so I could hear it, and we were approaching the tunnel. I listened to the music and thought about all the things that people have said to me over the past year. I thought about Bill telling me I was special, and my sister saying she loved me, and my mom too, and even my dad and brother when I was in the hospital. I thought about Patrick calling me his friend, and I thought about Sam telling me to do things, to really be there, and I just thought about how great it was to have friends and a family. As we went into the tunnel, I didn't hold up my arms like I was flying. I just let the wind rush over my face, and I started crying and smiling at the same time because I couldn't help feeling feeling just like how much I love my Aunt Helen for buying me two presents and how much I wanted the present I bought for my mom on my birthday to be really special and how much I wanted my sister and brother and Sam and Patrick and everyone else to be happy. But mostly I was crying because I was suddenly very aware of the fact that it was not that it was me standing up in the tunnel with the wind over my face, not caring if I saw downtown, not even thinking about it because I was standing in the tunnel and I was really there and there wasn't that was enough to make me feel infinite. Tomorrow I start my sophomore year of high school and believe it or not I'm not really afraid of going. I'm not sure if I will have time to write any more letters because I might do, to be too busy trying to participate. So if that doesn't, if this does end up being my last letter, please, please believe me that things are good with me. And even when they're not, they will be soon enough. And I will believe the same of you. Love always, Charlie. All right, guys, that's the end of The Person Being a Wallflower. I really hope you enjoyed. This book has always meant a lot to me and I'm really glad to have shared it. Um, please feel free to let me know books you want to hear next next I have a few ideas and I'll be posting them on Instagram and hoping to receive some feedback all right that's all bye